It's time for the long-awaited interview with my teacher in all things energy healing, esoteric acupuncture, and, and Chinese medicine, Dr. Adamson. Dr. A has been a practicing physician in Chinese medicine for over two decades, and he is a professor at the Florida College of Integrative Medicine, a school where I go to. His true passion lies in energy healing called medical qigong and esoteric acupuncture, and his soul's purpose truly is to teach these disciplines to the next generation of healers. Highlights from this episode. How he went from engineer to an acupuncturist to an energy healer. What the past two decades as a healer, as a practitioner of esoteric, particularly esoteric acupuncture, what that's been like for him. He shares a couple of fun stories. How a unique connection with the weather opened him up to energy in the first place and what qigong is and how it can enable you to heal yourself and enhance your life force energy. If you feel called to work with Dr. Adamson, you can find his information in the show notes and he does go over details on that at the end of the episode. If you would like to work with me, you can also find my information in the show notes. You are listening to the School of Whispers podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie, and this is my space to get real, open, and weird about my life experiences as a psychic, medium, energy healer, and student of Chinese medicine. On the show, I'll be sharing my healing journey and the concepts I've learned along the way, and I'll be having guests on talking about the same sort of thing. I am so happy you're here, and I hope this show leaves you feeling inspired and empowered to learn how to listen to the whispers of your own body and spirit. Let's get into the show. Well, actually, first, I want to say thank you and welcome to the show. So when I first met Dr. Adamson, I was going through a really hard time. I was I was living somewhere with mold and every morning I would wake up and meditate. I'd feel horrible and then something started clicking in me that to to scan my body and to to feel where I was feeling the most darkness and heaviness and to really focus my attention there. And then all of a sudden, Dr. Adamson, I'm in grand rounds, which in school is when you're sitting and you're watching one of the doctors or one of our professors treat a patient and go throughout the whole treatment process, Dr. Adamson was scanning people and pulling things out of them. And I realized, wait, you can do this to other people? And then I kind of just started bothering you and pestering you and asking you a bunch of questions. I remember one day you were sitting on at one of the picnic tables doing your Qigong, and I just thought, I don't know what I thought it was you're doing some weird little dance and then I asked you what are you doing you're like oh I eat chocolate I'm, and I'm helping myself <laughs> so um I'm trying to think about some of the first questions I asked you but I guess where I want to begin really is first you explaining what how you describe what you do to others um, or for others rather, and then to kind of backtrack and start at the beginning when you were young and how you were growing up and how you ended up in the Chinese medicine space. Does that sound good to you? Okay. okay. Uh, well, what I do is, is scan, and I uh, through the practice of Qigong, 
I developed a sensitivity to energy, chi and blockages of chi in the body. I can simply pass my hand in front of the body, maybe six to six inches to a foot, and I can feel where there's blockages, energy blockages. Once I uh, identify that there is an energy blockage, I can then grab that energy with the with my hands using the chi that's in my hands and actually pull out that energy. And that often just that will often take away pain quite immediately in many cases. In other cases, it it will start the healing process. Basically, it's it's relieving the blockages and allows the body to uh, the circulation of the chi in the body to do its proper thing and not be stuck. And therefore, the healing process uh, can continue. And that's when uh, the body heals itself. I love that. And that's, that's very true to Chinese medicine is enabling the body to heal itself. Right. And you would say this is kind of just an extension of your role as a Chinese medicine practitioner? Or do you see this as sort of a separate thing from that? Uh, it's an extension. A lot of the things I do with Qigong, I could do with acupuncture needles. Uh, I could also do with acupressure, pressing on points, pressing on meridians. So a lot of the stuff, uh, the energy medicine, the Qigong portion, can be done with, with other modalities such as acupuncture, twina, which is the Chinese massage, that type of thing. But there's some things that tend to work better with the Qigong than some of the other forms, like treating emo- stuck emotions in the body. When there's a traumatic event, both emotionally and physically, those emotions can get stuck into the muscles and fascia of the body, and they can be hard to be released, and they can cause the body not to repair properly. So you can have chronic aches related to a, a trauma that, uh, that happened you know, many years ago. And with the Qigong, you can help pull that out and get things restarted, the healing process starting properly. So this is not something that you were born into. It's not something you started in your your 20s. You had a completely different life beforehand. So can you share what you were like as a kid? Were you always sensitive to energy? I really wasn't sensitive to energy growing up. Growing up, I actually... uh, was very sick initially. I mean, I had a lot of allergies, had respiratory issues, asthma, things like that, and really didn't uh, grow out of that or get out of that until about ninth grade. At that time, I learned about yoga. And uh, when doing yoga, my health changed greatly. And that kind of gave me the idea that that what we do, how we think, uh, how we treat our body can promote health beyond what medicine can do. From there, I started meditating. There would be some cases where I would have some kind of spontaneous psychic experiences like knowing something's gonna happen or being able to influence things. I discovered, actually I read in a book about a person talking about making clouds disappear and uh, or cloud bursting. And one day when I was uh, in high school, was laying outside, uh, probably sunning myself. There were some clouds drifting across, and I just focused on one, and after about five minutes, it disappeared. So I chose another one. Again, it disappeared after about five minutes or so. And I spent the next half hour just doing that and kind of in awe of this, this 
ability which I never knew I had. This isn't the first time you've affected the weather, or I'm sorry, this isn't the only time that you've affected the weather. Remember your graduation ceremony? Right. Uh, well, that was before the graduation, but my high school graduation ceremony, it was raining. It was an outside ceremony because we had a large class, graduated in a class of 800. And uh, so it was held outside in a big field, football field. And it, it was raining up till that. I just asked the spirits to, can we give a, get a break? <laughs> and uh, it, it stopped right before the, the ceremony and it lasted throughout the ceremony and it started drizzling again later. Another time teaching at, uh, at the School of Acupuncture, we had an outdoor ceremony and it was also raining. This was in the morning and it was outside. It was a uh, nice drizzle that, I mean, it was getting everything wet. And I just asked the, the spirits or guardians of the weather to give us a break for an hour or so until we do our ceremony. And then that can rain again. I, I thanked it for, for bringing the rain and I just wanted a, a break so that we could do the ceremony. And it stopped raining about five minutes before the scheduled time for the ceremony. We had times to clean off the chairs that were all wet. And then approximately 10 minutes after the ceremony, which lasted about an hour, uh, it started raining again. Something that and I'm catching when hearing you say that, and it's something it's made me think of you as a teacher. It's been really important for me is how simple you work you know some people they use a lot of tools and a lot of things to help make it happen or whatever but you're you've you've always kind of moved me more to towards the simplicity of just the power of belief did you always believe in your ability so so easily with all of this not really uh, i'm trying to remember when that started it's actually only the last few years that I've started relying more on my basically help from the outside, spirit guides and so forth, as opposed to trying to force energy movement and that's uh, that's kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, initially when I was doing a lot of energy medicine, I relied on just the my own energy to pull things out or to scan with. But now in the last couple of years, particularly the last uh, six months, I've been working more with my guides and just asking, can you show me? I, and I also talk to the, the guides of the, of the patients. Uh, can you show me where, what needs to be done, where, where the problem is? And uh, I'll ask you know, specific questions. And, and at the end, is there anything else that I need to cover? If I get a yes, I'll sh show me where it is. And so I will rescan in that part that they wanna show me I can feel and I can work on it. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit how you communicate with your guides? I use muscle testing, basically uh, using my fingers to have a resistance and, and just ask yes or no questions. If I, for a, for a, a yes answer, my, I get a strong reaction with my, uh, with my fingers and I can't break a, an O-ring or thumb index finger link. If it goes weak, that's a, that's a no for me. And so I just get yes or no questions. And it's just answering those type or asking those types of questions. Sometimes, I don't know if it's internally or if it's guided from higher up, but I get an idea of what to ask, but I'm not clear where that's coming from always. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So to continue to paint the picture, that is you. So you're well, actually, did your family think you were kind of weird 
by meditating and doing yoga and stuff? I'm, I'm just curious about that. They were different. I mean, I, they, they saw me as different, but they realized, I mean, I, I grew up in, in the 60s and early 70s through high school. So that was a time of drug culture and I wasn't doing drugs. So at least I wasn't doing that. So they were it was kind of okay, he's kind of weird, but he's not doing drugs. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> cool. Okay, so then you became an engineer. Yes. And tell us the story about how that concluded, that whole chapter of your life concluded. I was an engineer for 14 years. The company, I, the, the last company I worked for, finally got, it was bought out uh, several times during the time I worked there. I worked at that company for 12 years, and during that time, I think we were owned by six different corporations. And when the last company bought us, they had layoffs and I got cut off in the, I think it was the second layoff that they had. And I was out. So I started looking for, actually I was looking for another engineering job. But prior to that, I was kind of getting burned out as, a, as an engineer. So I was looking at other things. I went. I took a course, a non-licensed course, but a course in massage therapy. I took a course, a couple of courses, a licensing course in hypnosis. So I was looking at other things. I also worked on my bachelor's degree in psychology. So I was looking at different directions and not sure exactly where I was going to go. But after I uh, got laid off, a friend told me about the school. And so I checked it out and said, yeah, this is what I want to do. Prior to that, when I was still an engineer, about three years prior to getting laid off, I had injured my back and had sciatic pain down my leg for about a year and a half. I went through, during that time, that year and a half time, I went through various doctors, muscle relaxers, painkillers, did a series of epidural steroid injections, and nothing gave me lasting relief. And uh, after going through all of the Western routine, I was kind of giving up on that. I heard a b little bit about acupuncture at the time. Oh, that's, this had been uh, late 80s. And I went to this acupuncturist, and after six or eight visits, the sciatic pain was gone. And I had had that for a year and a half. Being an engineer, I wanted to find out how this worked. Or, because needles with toxic drugs weren't helping, but these needles with without anything on them cured my, uh, my back pain. And I started, I got some books on acupressure, worked on friends and things like that. And I saw many cases, uh, pain go away, other conditions go away. And it, it just interested me. And then when I got laid off, that's when a friend told me that there was a school in Orlando that just opened up. I checked it out and said, yeah, this is really neat. And I'd be in control of my own, of my own job as opposed to working for somebody. So I said, yeah, this is what I want to do. As an engineer, I realized, well, well, I know that something that's really great that you bring to the table is you're not... Um, and I don't think I'm very woo-woo. I think when people meet me, I'm more down to earth. But there are like a lot of healers. And maybe I do come off this way that people come off as like super hippie or out of it. And, and it's hard to meet with somebody, especially when you're new to all of this, who is, yeah, who's got it down to earth, who's got it simplified and who understands it from a structural sort of scientific level. So you're really great at that. You, you help 
really validate all of it, all the spiritual into the, the, the physical. So as an engineer, what were things that helped you sort of reconcile working with energy in the way that you do now? Because there are so many things. So how many times have we been in a group golden needle where there's things that you just can't explain? So how did you help yourself understand energy and then reconcile with like, oh, this is my life now? <laughs> where to begin on that one? Uh my energy gift or energy development gave me the ability to feel. And the more I've done work, the more I can feel. Initially, I could just feel where there was blockages in the body. Later on, I could feel when there was emotional blockages as opposed to a physical blockage. So somebody has a uh, arthritis in the knee, for example, they're going to have this cloud of energy or the stuck energy around the, around the knee. If they have an emotional blockage of some kind, then that usually comes out like a vortex sticking out from the body, maybe uh, three or four feet from the body. And later on, I originally started being able to do muscle testing and asking, you know, is this is this emotion related to grief? Is it uh, related to hatred? You know, going through different emotions to try to narrow it down. Uh, and that would help me in releasing that knowing what that emotion was so it was just a matter of slowly developing the skills that i had and, and refining them to at one point i could just feel where blockages are to be able to identify physical blockage from an emotional blockage then taking an emotional blockage and further def, uh, refining understanding that to what the exact emotion was and most of that was through uh, muscle testing and so forth. Later on, I was able, about five or six years ago, I found out kind of by accident that I could actually scan a list of emotions while I was scanning a, uh, the body with one hand and, and find an emotional blockage and then scan a list of emotions with my other hand and find where there was a kind of similar vibration and I could identify what the emotion was. And sometimes when I told the patient, you know, oh, you're, you're suffering from, uh, you're, I feel guilt here or something, or you feel, I feel shame here. They say, oh yeah, I, I, such and such happened. And it would just coincide with that emotion. So once they knew that it was make it, it made it much easier for me to remove that because they could finally release it. Mm. Did Qigong come before or after your feeling sensitivity developed? I think my, my first sensitivity developed after doing taking Reiki. I got attunement for Reiki 1 and then Reiki 2 just prior to going into uh, acupuncture. With that, I was able to feel very minor blockages or, I mean, I should say I could, if somebody had pain, I could feel basically where the pain was. I couldn't tell you anything more about it than that, but I could tell you, I could say, oh, your pain is located here. But it wasn't until I started doing uh, Qigong that my sensitivity started to increase and I could do, get more out of it. But would you? I just had to Google Qigong just because, like, some people are probably hearing this and going, "What? What, what about Tai Chi or Karate? Like all these things? It's it's a martial art, correct?" Uh, Qigong is 
is a big umbrella of, of, of exercises that work on qi. I mean, the, 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 the definition qigong means qi, which is the vital energy or prana of the, of the Vedic systems, that it's the vital energy of the body. And gong just means practice, so qigong just means energy practice. Uh, but it covers a wide range. There's qigong that, that's used for spiritual development. There's qigong that's used for martial arts. There's qigong used for uh, medical uses. What I've studied is the medical qigong, and that can be further broken down to qigong practices which help your own body to open up the meridians and get the energy flowing through the body correctly to also... And the other part of medical qigong is the external qigong where you're working on somebody else, not yourself, but working on somebody else to the point where you can, like I do, scan the patient, identify where problems are, and then remove them. And while we are on the subject of the Qigong, because I eventually want to transition more into the esoteric acupuncture protocols, but what are some, if anyone's listening to this and is there, you know, something in them is really perked up, they're really interested and, but they're like, Qi, how do I, how do I connect with my Qi? What is some advice you could give them to help somebody connect with their chi, but also to further enhance their chi, whether that is a specific kind of qigong practice that you remember or a book or anything that you've done on your journey. There are literally tens of thousands of qigong forms out there. And, and if you go onto YouTube, you can find many of them demonstrated where you can follow them. And, and if you just pick any of them, pick any one and practice it, after a while, you'll start feeling chi and start noticing changes in yourself. Sometimes you'll notice, oh, my knee doesn't hurt as much as it did a couple of weeks ago, or my elbow pain has gone away. That happens very often when you start opening up the, the meridians. A lot of the meridian or a lot of the qigong forms, what they're doing is opening up the meridians, stretching the meridians, which allow the, the chi to move properly, and then the body can heal itself. I mean, I would just say pick any form that you try or that you see on the internet. Do a couple of them. I the the ones that I do. I've learned a, probably a half a dozen different forms over the years, or oh, maybe a dozen. Probably studied some in, when I went to China back in 1996. I went on a, uh, a study uh, uh, trip there where we worked in one of the Chinese hospitals, and. It was noted for its Qigong medicine. So we learned some different forms there. I learned a form from another Chinese doctor while I was there. And I brought those home, started practicing. And some of them I didn't really get much out of. And I learned another, I came across another form a few years later. And that one really clicked with me. I felt that one had the most, the, the quickest results in feeling the energy. And that's actually what I teach at school now because it's, it, most students feel energy after just one class. If you just pick one and, and start practicing it, you'll get it there eventually. I remember when you first, when I first took your Qigong class and so I went home and started practicing the forms and it was right before seeing some clients and I was doing it again and again and again so I could memorize it. And when I got to the client's house, they looked at me and they go, 
what did you, what happened? What did you do? Where did you, did you go to a spa or something? There's like, you look amazing. And I think it was because it was during the mold time or shortly after. And they, last time you had seen me, I was talking about the mold or whatever. And I, I was like, I, I don't really know what I did. So I went to the bathroom, looked in the mirror and I was like, whoa, I really have this, 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 you can't put a word to it, but like this vitality to me. And I realized the only thing I did different was the Qigong form. So not only does it, open up your hand chakras, but it, it, it really does enhance your, your life force, your vitality. Um, so I want to transition into the esoteric acupuncture protocols because on the podcast, I talk so much about my golden needle experiences and the, the further development into that. Um, so I, I guess we'll start at the beginning for you. At what point did you learn about esoteric acupuncture protocols? When did you feel ready to incorporate it into your practice? And then, yeah, well, I'll stop there. And then I want to really fine tune it into more um, about the golden needle. Uh, well, the first I heard about esoteric acupuncture is actually through a book called Esoteric Acupuncture. <laughs> I'm reading that. <laughs> and uh, it was written by an acupuncturist who is also very spiritual. And it goes through protocols for balancing out the, uh, the chakras of the body. Not, well, the chakras in the body, but also chakras outside the body. And help connecting them so that you have more communication with those higher chakras. From there, and the, the golden needle treatment that Stephanie has mentioned, that was given to me from a student almost 20 years ago now that had transferred from another school it was, it's, it was told to me that it was used for past life regression. And so I, I have, a, uh, at school, basically I have a set of guinea pigs that I can work with. Since I taught the acupuncture points that are primarily used in that, uh, in that uh, protocol, I, I thought I would give the students an opportunity to needle those and also see what the results are. Typically, even from the start, about 50% to 70% of the students who did it would have some sort of feedback. They would have some kind of results, I mean, either visually or tactically, uh, getting some type of input from a past life. The, the more we did it, the more people uh, got results. And through that, I helped. And then combining that with the hypnosis that I would had trained in many, many years ago, I had done past life regression using hypnosis. So with that, I knew basically what was going on that when you do the needles, it's very similar to doing a, an induction, a hypnosis induction, but a hypnosis induction to get to the state required for past life regression typically takes uh, 30 minutes or so. With the acupuncture gold needle treatment, is almost within five minutes, oftentimes less than that. Uh, after you put the last needle in, the patient is in that same level of trance state that allows those past lives to come up. One of my questions I wrote down was hypnosis versus golden needle. So you answered that one for me. And what, what are some, you realize, what are like some qualifiers to really ensure that somebody has a potent experience? The, the people that have the best experience are ones that are open to it. I mean, if you come in not believing you ever had a past life or you come in doubting that uh, possibility, it's less likely you're going to have something. You're going to get uh, any, 
any results and you're not going to see anything you're not going to feel anything but if you come in open-minded people who, who meditate are going to typically have a better response because they're, they're used to being quiet and often they've done the emotional work to allow themselves to uh, to do this you mentioned earlier the chakras outside of the body I, I, I don't know if I remember reading that in the book uh, can you share about that uh, Oh, in the esoteric acupuncture book, he talks about chakras above the head. With some of the protocols, he'll anchor those to the body so that you have better connection with them. Okay. Have you used any of those protocols that are in his textbook, the esoteric textbook, on anyone yet? I've used a few of them for treating individual chakra problems. Like one of my patients was a, was a singer, professional singer, rock singer, and... Anytime he would have a emotional issue with his uh, significant other, it would clog up his throat chakra and he couldn't sing. So I would often do the, uh, the throat chakra protocol to help open that up and release the trapped emotions that were there. Have you, we've talked briefly about it, but I don't know if I remember doing the tree of life protocol uh, you have done it right i have done it. it's been a long time since i've done it though so. do you remember what happened at all we we got to do it one day yeah we'll have to do it i i don't remember i just remember um you could feel energy moving up and down the body because it basically there's points from the top of the head down to the tip of your tailbone total of i think there's 31 or 33 needles total. So there's a lot of acupuncture needles in the body. Like I said, from, from head to, to, to the tip of your, uh, your spine. So it, it's basically mapping out the, the tree of life on your back. So all of this being said, would you mind sharing a few, I guess, pivotal treatment moments that helped you really, that, that, that come to mind that helped you really realize, oh, this is real and really further pushed you to dedicating your life to this work? One patient came in, uh, I don't remember, they, they were looking for a past life regression uh, on them. Uh, they had heard about me from actually one of my former students and they were told to go to me. This patient had gone to Peru down to Machu Picchu and she said she felt like she had been there before. So she told me that and she said, I, I want to see if I want to get more, more about that lifetime. I said, okay, we can see if you were actually there or not. So we did a regression or we did the, the golden needle treatment on her. She started describing parts of Machu Picchu that was not where she went when she was one on her vacation there, her, her tour there, it was on another part, another mountain area that she had not visited and she was able to describe it. And it was also taught, uh, she was also describing the Spanish explorers that were basically coming in and stealing their gold and actually murdering a lot of people there. So. She was experiencing that, and I mean, she was very upset, but she understood late when she came out that there, yeah, she was there in the past, and um, that it, that she's now in, a, in another place. I think another a one for me that you've mentioned was when you worked on the, the infant, 
because I remember it was Lucas saying, you know, somebody said to him, oh, acupuncture isn't real. It doesn't work. And he goes, okay, but animals do it and it, and infants and it works on them. So what's your thing about it? But I, I had a baby come to you that was crying and crying and crying. Was it, was it something from the womb that, uh, that was, it was holding on to, or was there something from another past life? Do you remember that one you told me? It was, but the car, every time oh. it got in the car. Yeah, this was a patient or a six-month-old that never had any problems being in a car. But it, it some, at uh, age four months, uh, it started crying any time it got in the car. The mom, who had been a patient for me in the past, brought the child in, and I scanned him, and I found a motion that was stuck on his uh, in the heart chakra. I didn't get the impression that it was his emotion. I think he picked it up from family member I mean if you're breastfeeding or if you're holding a child there it's very easy for them to pick up the emotions of the parents so I, I didn't feel that it was uh, really attached to him as much as that it was something he picked up from uh, one of his parents and but I was I was able to take it out just pulling it out and I said I asked the, the, the mom to you know send me an email let me know how he's doing in a couple of days and uh, when she did, uh, she said immediately when, he, when we left, he, didn't, he wasn't crying in the car. And I saw him, I saw the mother again, I think four or five months later, and the child was doing fine. So this one treatment in this case took care of it. That's why I think it was more of a, he picked up the energy from somebody else as opposed to something that developed in him because it was, it was easy to clear out and it didn't uh, come back. Right. Actually, I feel like that's something you might um, maybe we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into is the difference between you having picked up something and that easy removal and then something that has roots inside of you that is really difficult. I had a really hard time with the entities that you pulled out of me. They just unleashed more and more and they wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> Oh, well, entities are another whole thing, so we need to address that, I think, uh, in another question. But, yeah, emotions, when you have uh, a tra traumatic event happen to you, those emotions, if they're not processed through the body, they'll get stuck in the body. And they'll often get stuck in the physical location, either that where the emotion tends to go or in a physical place that was damaged during the, the traumatic event. So for example, if somebody was injured in a, uh, in a car accident and they got whiplash and because they saw the, the uh, event coming, this is a case where that I had in the school clinic several years ago, the patient was very anxious about driving in a car. She was afraid to drive in a car anymore. And the, the emotion was locked into her neck where she had was injured during the accident. So that emotion got locked in the place where the body associated that accident with. Therefore, we had it, releasing that helped get the, the neck pain to start healing again. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, the emotion will get stuck typically when there is a, uh, a traumatic event happening that there's some emotional component to. It can also get stuck into one of the, the seven chakras in the body. The most common is in the heart chakra, since that's the heart chakra is where we have most of our emotions. And that's an area that uh, is 
one of the first I check anytime I scan somebody because that's probably the number one place to get blocked. The second is usually the, the throat chakra because we're not expressing what emotions are stuck. So those are the two most common chakras, but any chakra can be blocked. Students who study a lot, they can get their head blocked, either their third eye or the sixth chakra blocked, and they'll get this, this big cloud of uh, dense energy around the head that, that once you clear it out, they can, they can think better, think more clearly. So for those of you who are listening, I, have, I do have an episode. It's more like the first two or three episodes where I talk about trapped emotions and entities and all of that stuff. But you do teach this and you've been teaching this for years. So if we could have your definition of an entity, that would be great. And, and also how you handle them. Well, an entity is a personality fragment or at least most entities are a personality fragment. We all have multiple personalities. That's not, a, not the same as multiple personality disorder. That's when the personalities don't know each of each other. But we all have personal, uh, multiple personalities. We have a personality as a child. When we're around our, pa- our parents, we, we kind of tend to go back to that childhood personality. When we're at work, we have a, a work personality. When we're Uh, At school, we might have a school personality. When we're out playing basketball or something, we'll have a sports personality. So every part of our life has a separate personality. And and that's all those emotions that are associated with those personalities are held in our our astral bodies. When we we die, that astral body is supposed to break up and disintegrate all those parts. It's supposed to go back and basically be recycled. And our, our soul can take some of those, those uh, characteristics or some of those uh, skills with it, but the main portion of the emotions is supposed to be broken up. However, if those personality fragments are very strong in nature, something that very traumatic happened, or some lifelong personality, like somebody who's an alcoholic, for example, they develop a completely different alcoholic personality and that so when that person dies that particular alcoholic personality could look for a another person to fulfill its desire to drink and so uh, it's not going to go to a uh, buddhist temple to look for somebody because there's not a lot of alcoholics or people that drink in a buddhist temple but if they go down the local bar they could probably find a half a dozen that they could attach to and uh, encourage them to imbibe more. So it's it's that personality fragment that can become attached to you, and it can be attached to any emotion. So if there's a particular personality that is very angry, it can go. It's going to look for a personality who has that same vibration of anger that it can attach to and and basically feed off of. I do want to just share with you guys being on the other side of it as the person who has received healings from Dr. Adamson. I remember when I first met you, I I remember telling you, I didn't like you and I didn't know why. And I couldn't figure it out. And it wasn't until we were in close proximity or somebody had scanned me and she pulled you into the room because she felt some intense entities on me. And I felt, I remember feeling the entity like pushing against my lower belly. It was weird. And then you came into the room and I go, oh, whatever's, whatever I felt pushed against my lower abdomen does not like you because I could feel it whirring around like a, like a top. And 
I realized, and you, you told me, yeah, no, that's, I, ha- I tend to have that effect on people. <laughs> when somebody has an entity, they're very intelligent and they know when somebody's around at, who's capable of removing them. So they will do what they can to push you away from, I guess, receiving that healing. I remember feeling so anxious every time I was having a huge entity removal from you. Yeah, the entities, like I said, they're, they're basically parasites that feed off your energy or your negative emotions. And they like it there. I mean, it's just like any parasite, they like their home, that their new home, I should say. And they want to, they want to stay there, they want to continue feeding. And if, they're, if they see that there's somebody who's going to try to remove them or is capable of removing them, then they put up a fight and try to separate you from that person. Uh, I've had s- several students in the same situation that initially they, they felt a, a negativity about me, but it was really the negativity that their entity was having with me. When we removed the entity, they changed completely. Yeah, yeah I, I can attest that. I, I don't dislike <laughs> Dr. Adamson anymore. We hang out a lot. <laughs> um, so because you're in this unique position where you're kind of here in the the advent a lot of, of a lot of this healing in the western world you you practice it you teach it you've passed so you know graduated so many students i was wondering over the years what you've observed to be and what you would you like to teach your students to be qualities of a good effective healer the best qualities i think uh is one is wanting to heal others, having the heart compassion to heal others. And also that has to do with healing themselves because if they don't heal themselves, they're not open enough energetically to actually heal other people. One of the benefits of Qigong when you're doing it, you're actually clearing out blockages uh, in yourself so that uh, you are more able to control the qi that you, that that's in your own body, but also you're, you're able to use that chi to uh, heal others with. So if you don't open yourself up, you don't do the, the emotional soul clearing work that, uh, that, uh, that opens up yourself, then you can't, you can't get more energy through you. So it's, it's, that's, I think, is one of the biggest things is being able to, to clear yourself out of any emotional blockages that you yourself have and uh, being open to your own guides. I think that's something I've developed more recently is developing communication with my higher self, my guides and so forth and helping me uh, help other people. Because if I tried just do it from an ego sense, I'm helping, I'm curing this patient. It takes much more effort on my part to do that. But if I say, can I get some help from my guides in removing this entity? The entity almost disappears by itself. Uh, so I, I think working with your entity or working with your, your guides, spirit guides, and so forth is, uh, I think is fundamental in doing energy work as, as well as clearing out your own blockages. In other words, do the work. So there are a couple of flash questions that I ask people on the podcast. I know you're not the biggest foodie, but it's a question I ask everyone. What is a a food that you have found to be very healing for you throughout your healing journey? I know, I know. (laughs) Hmm. 
That's a tough one. Uh, I really don't. Give me an herb. I mean, I can give you formulas, but I can't think of any <laughs> <laughs> any particular food. I mean, I I think with food, as long as it's the more natural it is, the better. So the less garbage you're putting in, and the less blockage you're putting into your body. So it's I think the more natural foods, vegetables, uh, and so forth. You don't want to fried foods and things like that, they tend to, I mean, it's more of the reaction. If I eat fried foods, which I don't anymore, but that used to, I just feel so clogged up after eating that, that uh, I just felt sluggish for several days afterwards. But eating vegetables, eating rice, eating uh, normal daily food, as long as it's not heavily processed, I think is the best way to go. I recently heard somebody in a podcast, he was saying how he, he could he could separate foods from three different categories. There's whole foods, there's a mixture of whole with chemicals, and then there's all chemicals. And really just stay from the, stay away from the chemical one. Yeah. Uh, my last question, and you can answer this as in-depth as you feel comfortable with, and I think it's actually so appropriate considering what uh, you recently have been moving through, but what is a darkness that you have either found yourself on the other side of or currently are moving through? Um, darkness. It's working with Stephanie maybe a month or two ago. I don't remember exact time frame now. After doing a, a, a Hape and then Sananga experience, I didn't really get anything out of it during it, but that night I experienced a very vivid dream of being chased by a, an alligator that was attacking me it ripped off my arm and it was in a just I was in a very rickety boat and the it was in this uh, swampy water very dark kind of it looked like the color of uh, coffee with cream in it oh. <laughs> and it was just you, very very opaque you couldn't see you know below the surface at all you could only see the alligator when it was at the top but afterwards I asked, started asking my guides you know what does this mean and what it turned out, what came to me was that it was related to my, my shadow self, the, the dark things within you that stay hidden and suppress your, your true self. So uh, I'm still look, looking at how to understand my shadow self and uh, learn how those, how those emotions and so forth are, are holding me back from my true self. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Um, is there are there is there anything else you feel like you need? It's kind of like bursting out of you right now. That you feel like you need to share? Um, I think that covers it. All right, he says it. He thinks that covers it. Well, yeah. Thank you again. And is there a way that if somebody's listening and that they and they feel called to work with you, is there a way that they can find you? Yes, I'm at uh, Whole Family Healthcare, and you can look that up on the internet. It's in Winter Park, so they can, you can arrange for a, if you're local, you can arrange for a visit. And I, I, I treat people using not only acupuncture, but Qigong. Uh, primarily now, I'm working with just Qigong. There are some patients I still use acupuncture for, but the majority of the patients I'm seeing now are being treated just with Qigong because their their major issues are with emotional issues which are causing physical problems. 
I remember you said to me, you're the guy that people come to when nothing else works. Yeah, so there it is. All right, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're new to the show, welcome. Check out the show notes. I have plenty of related episodes to the topic we talked about today. And make sure that you're subscribed. If you really enjoyed the show, please leave me your review and share with a friend. I'll be feeling your energy next week.